perhaps it might be helpful as we begin just to do a very brief uh, resume of some of the topics that we've considered as we've looked at the Apostle Paul when he prays for churches just like this one and for Christians just like you. Uh, what are the things that burn on his heart for us? Uh, what are the things that we are most in need of, which he brings before his God and Father as he prays for the Lord's people? Well, we noted that first of all, he always prays with thanksgiving. He's always giving thanks to God. And one of the chief things that he gives thanks for is when he sees people who have faith in Christ and Christians who have love for the saints. Six times in his letters, he specifically mentions those two things as being a cause of thanksgiving to him. Faith in Christ and love for all the saints. In these things, he says, I do not cease to give thanks. And he also thanks God for partnership in gospel work that churches work together in spreading this glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. For these things he gives thanks and he prays without ceasing. Paul was a man of many things. He was most certainly a man of prayer. He's an example in prayer. He encourages Christians to pray and he shows us the kinds of things that we ought to be praying for. He was a man who had a constant attitude of prayerfulness because he understood just how much we are completely dependent upon the Lord for everything that we need of. He prays that Christians might increase in knowledge. He prays that we might be certain of that future hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays that we might have this awareness and of the necessity of the power of God that is working in us. That nothing is of ourselves, it's all of God. He prays that Christians might be righteous and holy in all the areas of their living, that they might be abounding in godly love towards one another, that they might strive together for godly excellence and that all of these things, again, are by Christ. He's the source of it all to God's praise. He prays for Christians to be obedient and faithful. Walk worthily to please your God. And he prays that they might have strength to endure. Because it takes endurance and perseverance to be a Christian. And we need a strength for that, that we do not have of ourselves, but God gives and God provides. And he prays for these things. He prays that we might fight for fruitfulness in our lives, our work of faith, our labour of love, our endurance of hope. That it might be increasingly evident in our lives that God is at work. And that his Holy Spirit is producing that which the Holy Spirit produces in the life of a Christian. And that we don't simply say, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. And that's it, that's all I've got to say. No, the fact that that is true of you 
transforms your life completely. And in these final verses of Ephesians 3, we've been looking at how Paul prays that we might be strengthened and filled. Strengthened and filled. Strengthened and filled according to the riches of God's glory. Strengthened and filled in the inner man. And strengthened and filled because it's Christ himself who is dwelling in your heart. In a nutshell, when you put together all the different things that Paul prays for, for Christians, this is what the Christian life is all about. If you want to know, what does it mean to be a Christian in practice? What does the Christian life look like? Just read through those prayers again. That is it. What Paul prays for Christians like you, what Paul prays for churches like this, that is what it's all about. Here are all the things that you need to focus on as a Christian. Here are all the things that we need to focus on as a church. Here is our list of priorities. Here are the basic and essential characteristics and graces which make you to be both a faithful servant of Christ and a vibrant witness and ambassador of Christ. It's all here in these prayers. And in their corporate life together, as members of a local church, members being knit together as an expression of the body of Christ, Paul prays for nothing more and nothing less than these things. Because this is what it means to be a local church. To have God's children, Christ's sheep, worshipping, serving, growing, living together. Praying without ceasing. Pursuing righteousness, holiness, obedience and faithfulness. Fighting for fruitfulness and being strengthened and filled. That is the Christian life. That is the life of a local church. And so this morning we're starting our conclusion to this series as we pick up these themes in the closing verse, ver, verses of Ephesians 3 where Paul is praying that we might be strengthened and filled. And at the very centre of this final little section which is from verse 14 through to the end right at the centre of that section we discover that which lies at the very centre of everything we've been thinking about. A theme which has already been mentioned and alluded to, but which is now laid open for us so that we cannot miss it and that we can be in no doubt whatsoever that here is the very heart of the issue in many ways. Love. And a love which is focused upon and firmly fastened to the love of Christ. Here is the beating heart of it all. So we're going to look at three things this morning concerning Christ's love. Because this is something we need to be strengthened and filled in and strengthened and filled by Christ's Love And first of all, says Paul, Christ's love is the root and foundation 
It's the roots and the foundation for your life. Roots, foundation, trees and buildings. These things are used to good effect as analogies and illustrations in the New Testament. Jesus spoke about branches being grafted into the vine. Living stones being built into a temple, says the Apostle. The tree is known by its fruit. The house being built upon the hearing and doing of God's word is the one that will stand fast when the storm hits it. Trees and buildings are used frequently as illustrations in the New Testament. When Christ is truly dwelling in your heart by faith, something which is other than you takes hold of you. The Holy Spirit, yes. The Word of God, yes. The life of Christ, yes. The love of Christ, yes. Let's take buildings. Buildings need firm foundations. Now sometimes, for a foundation, you can just dig a trench. It'll have to be a certain depth, depending on what you're intending to build. But you can dig a trench, fill it with concrete, and that'll do. Sometimes you have to drive piles deep into the ground. New York was probably the first city in the modern world which became renowned for its skyscrapers. And the building of them was greatly helped by the fact that Manhattan Island is mostly solid rock. Building a foundation for those skyscrapers was relatively straightforward if you only got to go down a few feet and you hit solid rock. Over on the West Coast, in cities like Los Angeles, for example, it's a completely different story. You won't see the huge skyscrapers of New York in cities like LA. And there's a very simple reason for that. The geology over on the West Coast and the ground there makes it really difficult to lay a foundation for such a tall building, especially with the threat of earthquakes that exists over in that part of the world. And so you won't see those towering buildings in cities like LA because the foundations... Because everyone knows you need a solid foundation for the building. There's a place where the human soul can find solid ground. Every man, woman and child in their soul is looking for solid ground. Most don't find it because they're not looking in the right place. It's interesting that all men and women instinctively know because it's part of the nature God has given us, we instinctively know that love ought to be something that we can rely upon. Everybody knows that. How many pop songs have been written? Stories of searching for love, broken hearts, making up, promises of everlasting love. 
Over and over and over again, round and round goes the theme. The human heart knows that if it can find a love that will never fail, it can stop looking. The human heart knows that. Now for a building to remain, it needs a foundation that will never fail. The thing about this image is this. You can't have the building before you have the foundation. A building can't walk around looking for a good foundation to put itself on. You can't be a Christian. We cannot be a church without first having the foundation. Paul's not praying for something you don't already have as a Christian. But he is praying that you will be grounded in it. Grounded on it. That as you grow as a Christian, your understanding of Christ's love and your experience of Christ's love will actually and in reality hold you more firmly day by day, month by month, year by year. That as you grow to understand Christ's love and as you rest yourself on that love, you will discover a foundation that will never fail you. And the other way he goes to explain that is that like a tree, you will put your roots down deep into Christ's love. It's the tree's roots which stop it from falling over in a storm. As the tree grows larger, the roots grow down deeper and they grow out further. It's the tree's roots which draw nutrients up from the soil to give the tree its life and vitality. In the picture of putting roots down, there's a living dynamic in that picture, not something merely static like a building, which is why it's so helpful to have both of these pictures that we can put together and both of them centered upon the love of Christ. Do you know him and his love for you? I'm not asking if you know, I'm not asking if you know what, what verses in the Bible say. I'm not asking if you know what Christian doctrine is. Do you know Christ and his love for you? Have you experienced it? Are you experiencing it every day? for yourself is that part of the reality for you of what it means to live as a Christian did the love of Christ have any impact at all on your life yesterday because it should have will it today will it tomorrow because it needs to because it's the very foundation that you're built on as a Christian. And it's that thing that you need, to put, you need to be putting your roots down deep into. The love of Christ. 
is your faith resting upon Christ's love. Because you know that all that he's done for you is on account of his love. And that all that he will continue to do for you is on account of his love. Are you growing in assurance of Christ's love for you? Are you putting your roots down deep into Christ's love so that his love may hold and feed and nourish your soul? The deeper you go into Christ's love, the stronger you will be as a Christian. The deeper you go into Christ's love, the firmer you will stand when the storms come. This is the normal Christian life. This is why Paul prays this for Christians and for churches. He prays that you, with all the saints, this is normative, this is normal, this is what it means to be a Christian. He prays this for all the saints. This is what every Christian needs. This is what every Christian life ought to be like. And to settle yourself on this foundation and to put your roots down deeper that you may grow in your understanding of it. To know and appreciate and experience more and more just what the love of Christ is. And to help us, Paul expounds Christ's love as being in four dimensions. And if you were at the Bible convention on Wednesday, you'll have heard David Campbell give a wonderful exposition in the whole of his message on these four things. Now, it's just part of the message this morning for us. Um, God willing, all of those messages from last week's convention will be available on the Listen Liverpool website. Uh, I would strongly recommend that you listen to all of them because it was a great week of Bible teaching. And if you missed it, you missed an absolute spiritual treat. Well, let's look at these four different dimensions that Paul gives us to help us understand the love of Christ. Christ's love and its dimensions. It was Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell who first sang these words. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you. Well, the lyrics about love are easy to sing. The realities of love are much harder to live, as most of us have discovered. But here is a love in Christ which has a width and a length and a depth and a height which will never, ever fail. It's width, length, depth and height And I'm in in complete agreement with the way that David Campbell expanded and expounded and explained what these refer to. Yet at the same time, we have to acknowledge that whilst these words, they lead us in the right direction to understand. But we'll never complete our journey in understanding them this side of heaven. It's ongoing. It, It is, after all, a love which passes knowledge it's a love that is beyond any of us none of us can love this way even as christian people this side of heaven will never love like christ has loved 
but we can, we can make the journey. We can start on the journey. And that's what Paul is encouraging us all to do. You need to be making progress on the journey, though. It's a love which is beyond our level of comprehension to be able to grasp it fully. But it's not beyond us to start out on the road and to make some progress and to keep going. And Paul says Christ's love has a width, or your translation might say breadth. There's a wideness in God's mercy. And it's wider than the greatest sea, and so I know it covers even me. There's a depth to his compassion that is deeper than I'll understand. And so my life is safe within his hands. There's a wideness in the mercy of God. In this sense, in Christ's kingdom... As the Bible clearly states, there is no Jew and Gentile anymore. There is no slave and free. In Christ's kingdom, there are peoples from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. As God spreads out his arms of love and grace and mercy, they encompass the whole globe. And there is no people group that is outside of his reach. There is no culture which is beyond his grace And he stretches out to all, far and wide. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. By the world, the apostle John was referring to the width of Christ's love. It's a love which stretches out to all. And all may experience it. And there is no one who has wandered so far away from God that they have gone beyond his reach. This width of God's love is able to embrace all. There are none who are so far gone that they are beyond God's grasp. The width of Christ's love means that any and all may be gathered in. What a wonderful reminder for the Christian. The width of the Saviour's love. What a wonderful message for the sinner. Can Christ's love really reach me? Yes. What a wonderful encouragement in evangelism. We take to the world the Saviour whose outstretched arms are wide to save to the uttermost any and all who will repent and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a width to the love of Christ and there is its length. It is from everlasting to everlasting. Listen to some of the scriptures In Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 4, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blame without love, uh, without blame before him in love. 2 Timothy 1 9, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace 
which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Before God had even brought the earth without form and void. You were the object of God's love. He purposed to love you. He knew you and he loved you. This is a love which is from everlasting. And it's too everlasting. Verse 7 of Ephesians 2. That in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. And this wasn't beyond God's Old Testament believers. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I have loved you, says God, with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. That's true for you, Christian. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He loves you now with that same everlasting love. You've always been the object of his love. You always will be the object of his love. What love this is. The love which began before creation. A love which never wavered so that after all the promises throughout all of Israel's Old Testament history, God in his great love sent his only begotten son into the world to save us from our sins. Why? Because it's an everlasting love. The love which has endured to fix itself upon you, Christian brother or sister, to draw you to Christ in repentance and faith. It's that same eternal love, the love which remains with you still. And Christ's promise to his disciples rings clear in the ears of his disciples in 2018. I will love you to the end. And his love will bring him back when he returns. And he'll take you to be with himself forever. And there you will know the height of his love. And we'll come to that one shortly. But you'll know the height of God's love when he comes and takes you. Dear Christian, rest your soul on this love. Put your roots down deep into this love. It is an everlasting love. You will never be forsaken by your God and Saviour. And there is a depth to this love. See Christ as he set his face as a flint towards Jerusalem. Knowing everything that was going to unfold when he got there. See Christ in agony of soul in the Garden of Gethsemane as he begins to take those first sips from the cup that God has given him which only he can drink. As he sweats blood, he cries out that there might be another way, yet not his will, but that of his Father 
must be done. How deep is Christ's love? See him as he stands in silence before Pilate, determined he is going to lay down his life for his sheep. He must give his life as a ransom for many. Hear him as on the cross, those arms outstretched reach out to the dying thief and in grace and mercy save him even there. Hear him as he prays for the forgiveness of those who are committing this horrendous crime against him. See and hear the depth of Christ's love for you as the cup which the Father has given him to drink he takes in both hands and drinks every last drop of it. And it wasn't nails that held Christ to the cross. It was his love for you. The depth of Christ's love. And there is no depth to which you have sunk in your sins, to which Christ cannot reach down and save you. Such is the depth of Christ's love. He will see you there and he can find you there and he can reach you there and he can lift you. There is no depth of sin which Christ's love cannot reach. The old hymn has it, I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, overwhelmed by guilt within, Mercy I did implore. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. Christ my saviour lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. The depth of Christ's love. Christian believers, rest your soul on this love. Put your roots down deep in this love. And there is height to this love of Christ. First, there is the height from which Christ came. Because he loved you. The eternal and infinite God. When Isaiah was given a vision of heaven, he saw the holy angels. And even the holy angels in their sinless state had to hide their faces before the holiness of God. They dare not look upon him. And holy, 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 three times holy is the Lord of hosts, Father and Son and Spirit, the only begotten of the Father, the express image of God, glorious in holiness and majesty. From heaven you came helpless babe from what height of glory Christ came for you out of his love it was whilst he was in that height that he loved you it was whilst he was in that height that he purposed to save you 
and from that height that he came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. Because he loves you. And to what height Christ has taken us and will take us. In Ephesians chapter 2, we've got these wonderful verses. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I'd be quite happy if it finished there, but it goes on. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What images we glimpse in the revelation as we see Christ's people reigning with him, joint heirs with Christ forever. What love this is that makes us to be so accepted, so cleansed, so forgiven, so transformed, that we will spend eternity having been granted access to stand faultless before the very throne of God in joy and with thanksgiving. And there on high with Christ, you will reign forever and ever with him. That's how much he loves you. This is the love that will never leave or forsake you. This is the love that will ensure that none will ever snatch you from his hand. Christian, rest your soul deep and firm on this love. Put your roots down deep into this love of Christ. And what about you who might be here who've never yet turned to Christ? Today is the day that you might be saved. You can go home after this service. You can go to sleep tonight resting your soul on this love. And for the first time starting to put your roots down deep into the love of Christ. You just have to come in repentance of your sins to the one who loved you and gave himself for you and trust him. Oh, that we might know in increasing measure more and more and more the love of Christ. What a Christian you will be if you can continue to grow like this. What a church we will be if we can continue to grow like this. And then finally, Christ's love, what it is to know him. To know Christ's love is to know Christ. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge To know the love of Christ is to know Christ. In our sinful state, we can't really know anything of it, can we? But in our reborn state, we may begin 
and we may grow. The Christian life is about knowing. But this knowing is not just about knowledge. This knowing is about relationship. This knowing is about knowing a person. As opposed to simply knowing something about them. I guess the vast majority, if not all of you here this morning, know something about Christ. You could speak to me later and tell me something about Christ. But this isn't about knowing something about him. It's about knowing him. Because you know his love for you. You've experienced it. It's about living with Christ if you're attempting to live for Christ. You cannot live for Christ unless you're living with him because you know his love. Stop and think about how he's loved you, how he loves you still, how he always will. Pray this for one another. These are the kinds of prayers that should forever be coming off our lips. These are the kinds of prayers that should forever be in our hearts for each other. Pray that the reality of knowing Christ and his love for you will make a radical difference. Uh, There'll be a royal wedding next Saturday, if you haven't already noticed. And the life of Meghan Markle will never be the same again. Now, whatever you think of the situation... Things are going to change for that woman. Because the love that has been directed towards her comes from one who is of royal birth. And because she is living in the knowledge and experience of his love, her life is about to change in the most remarkable way. Once she got to realise that he loved her, has she remained distant from him? Has she held him at arm's length? Did she stay in America just saying, well, that's very nice, I'm quite flattered? No, not at all. He, He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And she's responded to that love. She's received that love. She's ready to return that love. That's why she's with him. Not that I'm condoning their current relationship, but that's what's happened. And that relationship has changed everything for her. Why? Because she's become the recipient of this great love. How much more has Christ loved you? How much more wonderful is Christ's love for you? How much greater and holy is Christ's love for you? How can you not come to him? How can you possibly stand at a distance and just say, well, that's very nice to know. How can you possibly not come to one who loves you like this? How can you not want to know his love more and more? How can you not want to know that person better and draw closer to them and it's within this union with Christ 
that everything else depends. It's within this union with Christ from which everything else about your Christian life flows because you've received the love that Christ has for you. You're building your life on it. It's become the foundation of your very soul. That's the thing that you're putting your roots down deep into. Some of you might be putting roots down deep into other things. They're of no eternal value. They're of no eternal consequence. Don't put your roots there. Put them deep, deep down into the love of Christ. Rest your soul on this love. Put your roots down deep into this love. Rest your soul upon Jesus. Put your roots down deep into him.